You're watching FTV. I'm Ken Lee. Welcome to our show. Taiwan reported three local cases of COVID Sunday, two in Tainan and one in Kaohsiung. All three are linked to a domestic tour group. In related news, starting tomorrow, Taiwan's quarantine period will be shortened to 10 days from 14, and business visit regulations will be relaxed. However, this has caused public concern. Will an explosion in visitor numbers undermine the nation's epidemic prevention? CECC Commander Chen Shizhong had this to say. Next week, the number of people entering our country won't be comparatively large. It will only be a little more than 10,000 the whole week. It's not a sudden increase compared to our current situation. When it comes to daily visitor numbers, there's no sudden jump in numbers from any one particular country either. To reduce the risk of the coronavirus entering the community, the central government stipulates that in addition to PCR testing upon entering Taiwan and when quarantine is up, visitors will undergo rapid screening on the third, fifth and seventh day of their 10-day quarantine period. Rapid screening is also required twice during the seven-day self-health management period on the third and then on the sixth or seventh day. As the Russo-Ukrainian war rages on, the inevitable comparisons to Taiwan's relationship with China continue. Now, the founder of one of Taiwan's largest semiconductor companies has lashed out at pro-China politicians in the KMT for spreading pessimistic views about Taiwan's future in the face of China's military might. Robert Cao says some people in the KMT are questioning if the U.S. would actually help Taiwan if a war broke out in the Taiwan Strait. The KMT has retorted that it is resolved to defend Taiwan and that Cao is in no position to talk as he gave up his Taiwan citizenship to become a Singaporean a decade ago. As war continues between Russia and Ukraine, the phrase today Ukraine, tomorrow Taiwan has been thrown around in society. DPP caucus whip Ke Jianming shared on Facebook over the weekend two essays written by honorary UMC chairman Robert Tsao, who writes, People frequently question whether the US would send in troops to defend Taiwan if a war broke out in the Taiwan Strait. But these kinds of questions are malicious, shameless and very humiliating. Tsao even names KMT members Su Qi and Hong Xiaoju as the ones who should go and ask the US. Cao also notes that China is deliberately distorting the reality that Taiwan and China are not subordinate to each other. He says while this is even crazier than Russian President Vladimir Putin, the opposition KMT is still supporting such line of reasoning. Cao warns, as these lunatics are playing with fire. Chairman Cao's essays are just like a magic mirror that can detect ghouls. The features of those deep blue people who lean towards China and flatter the CCP are reflected in the mirror, and Hong Xiaozhu ranks among them. These deep blue people in the KMT continually flatter China, doubt the U.S., and express pessimistic views about Taiwan. The KMT needs to explain whether it views Su Qi and Hong Xiaozhu as belonging to the party's mainstream and if the party plans to espouse any cross-strait values of its own or whether it's all defeatism. 
The DPP lawmaker said Tsao has effectively pointed out the KMT's pessimistic views about Taiwan's self-defence capabilities, while at the same time spreading doubts about the US. Its real motives are opaque. Meanwhile, KMT whip Tseng Mingzong has hit back, saying Tsao gave up his Taiwan citizenship and became a Singaporean national in 2011, so the tycoon was not qualified to say he cared about Taiwan security. We will save our own country and our entire citizenry are soldiers. We support this concept. When it comes to the point when China and Taiwan are at war, of course, we would hope the U.S. would honor its repeated promises it's made in the past. What's wrong with this? Mr. Cao, you, sir, are a foreigner. You don't care about Taiwan's security. In the past, Cao has criticized the KMT for its 1992 consensus which states Taiwan is part of China. Tsao called it nonsensical and that it made Taiwan fall into a one-China trap, leaving the island nation with no room to survive. Now the chairman is lashing out at the KMT again for its stance on cross-strait issues. As international oil prices continue to rise, fuel prices at local gas stations will be raised again tomorrow for the fourth week in a row. The price of diesel will go up by 0.6 NT per litre, hitting 29.1 NT. Meanwhile, 92 unleaded will reach 31.3 NT per litre, 95 unleaded 32.8 NT per litre, and 98 unleaded 34.8 NT per liter. These prices will hit a seven-year and four-month high since 95 unleaded has surpassed the 32.5 NT threshold. State-run oil refiner CPC will absorb half of the price increase. For many people, losing weight is a serious challenge, but for some of us, it seems barely possible. Obesity can be compounded by diseases, making it hard to feel full. Doctors sometimes use bariatric surgery to help those patients attain a healthier size. The latest type of surgery, a sleeve gastrectomy, has less drastic side effects than conventional methods. We spoke to one young woman who struggled with obesity for years before the procedure gave her a new lease of life. A confident young woman stands beside a life-size cardboard cutout. You might never guess, that cutout is her before her surgery. She shows us her old jeans, which are now many sizes too large. I remember when I was 17, the stress of my studies and socializing with my peers made me develop stress-induced binge eating. I could eat six full meals a day, but no matter how much I ate, I still felt hungry. Xiao An had been bullied since childhood for being overweight. As an adult, the 24-year-old went to the hospital for some tests, which revealed that her stomach was too effective at absorbing calories. That's why she never felt full, even after several meals. Binge eating had caused Xiao An's weight to exceed 100 kilograms, but her doctor thought she could try a sleeve gastrectomy. The procedure cuts away part of the stomach, creating a smaller, sleeve-sized route for digestion. It led Xiao An to drop 40 kilograms. It's been nine months since the surgery. Right now, my lowest weight is 63.5 kilos. All the red danger figures on my blood test reports have disappeared, too. 
。那这一段小肠的控制不仅可以减少的呃食物的吸收。This restriction of the small intestine not only reduces the absorption of food, it also increases hormone secretion in the end of the small intestines, which effectively prolongs the feelings of satiation. Xiaowan has lost 40 kilograms, the same weight as a small child. She now rarely feels hungry. The sleeve gastrectomy is similar to a traditional gastric bypass, but the gastrectomy preserves more of the stomach and doesn't restrict food intake so drastically. However, the operation is still unsuitable for the casual weight loss enthusiast. For a sleeve gastrectomy, we will select patients with a BMI of over 37 or over 32 with certain complicating chronic conditions which are difficult to control. Obesity causes many physical health problems as well as mental health challenges, but doctors say a last-ditch solution like surgery is only for certain patients. For others, it's a case of learning to live happily in a larger body. We turn now to the matter of toilets. Public bathrooms are the face of a nation. In the past, Taiwan's restrooms have left much to be desired, as they were often dirty, smelly, damp, and Damaged. In recent years, new laws and new construction have brought gradual improvements, and restrooms are now more gender neutral, more family friendly, and more accessible to people with disabilities. Today, there are even restrooms that are beautiful in their own right. But there's still a long way to go before Taiwan achieves clean and truly equal toilet access. What's it going to take? We find out in our Sunday special report. Public restrooms are places most of us can't do without. Data from the Environmental Protection Administration show there are more than 46,000 public restrooms nationwide. They are found in 12 types of venues, including public enterprises, tourist sites, traditional food markets, bus and MRT stations, and parks. Anyone who finds themselves outdoors for any length of time will need to turn to a public restroom. However, not needing to clean these facilities themselves means that all too often, users will be less than courteous. Public restrooms are often left dirty and sometimes nearly unusable for the next person. For some people, it comes down to personal habits. They may be so used to squat toilets that they will even squat on sitting toilets. It is no wonder that many people have bad impressions of public restrooms. What can be done to overcome this negative image? In this restroom next to the temple at Gaosheng's Lotus Pond, dividers embossed with the image of lotus flowers are reminiscent of summer scenes at the pond. Out of all the public restrooms there are, the EPA gave priority to this one for renovation. 
it's probably because of the uniqueness of this location. Situated right next to the temple, it likely has the greatest amount of foot traffic. However, being in a unique location isn't enough to make an exceptional public restroom. What's most important is being odor-free, clean, and dry. A public restroom must have good airflow and natural sunlight. It must have regular cleaning and maintenance. In keeping a restroom clean, toilet and urinal design is an important factor. The main problem with urinals that reach down to the floor is that the part that touches the floor is often rounded or has crevices. The rounded parts and crevices are quite hard to clean. When the restrooms at the Shinju Prefectural Hall were renovated, officials sought to integrate elements of the historical site into the new facilities. A crimson red was used throughout the new facility, garnering the attention of visitors to the building. As technology improves, toilets and urinals have become more elegant and user-friendly. Toilets are shrinking, and urinals no longer reach the floor. Instead, they hang in place, making life easier for cleaners. The toilets are designed to hang so that you just need to push them up underneath to clean. The design is round with no dead angles, so wiping around it you will feel like it is very easy to clean. Cleaning is important, as is air circulation. Take a look and you will see that the walls of this temple restroom are rounded and only reach a height of 175 centimeters. The restroom was designed to allow in airflow and sunlight. There are also measures in place to guard the safety and privacy of those using the restroom. We stay in touch with the local police station and they regularly patrol the area. In terms of facilities, we are gradually installing camera systems so it can be monitored 24 hours. Similarly, officials at the Shinju Prefectural Hall have also taken privacy and safety into consideration. For example, we elevated the toilets to prevent people outside from looking in. This makes people feel a bit safer. Also, since the stall doors have a crevice at the bottom so that people can see your shoes, you might feel a bit uncomfortable. So we designed the doors with a bent metal panel at the bottom to prevent that. As Taiwan's population ages, the design of public restrooms has also taken this into account. For example, at Lotus Pond, Handlebars have been installed in the stalls of squat toilets. It's for the convenience of older adults who have weakened knee joints. And that's not the only design decision made with seniors in mind. We put support bars around one of the urinals because when you use a urinal, you need to rely on the strength of your two legs to support you as you stand close. However, with a bar across the front of the urinal, you can rest your chest on it to create three points of support. 
letting you bend your knees a bit. This lets you relax the muscles a bit in the groin area. Insects and birds chirping, fresh air all around. This is the ideal spot for a family walk. But whether it's grandparents out with their grandkids or parents on a family outing, the question of which restroom to take the kids into is always an issue. To make it easier on families, more parks are installing restrooms friendly to small children. We are adding more family-friendly facilities for when kids need to use the restroom. There is even a small urinal for little boys. In the men's restroom, we also installed a diaper change station so when dads are at the park with their kids, they can change diapers. These family-friendly restrooms we're talking about are not just spaces for kids to use. They also meet the needs of the adults who take their kids to the restroom. We have to have the right ratio of space so that both adults and kids can use the restroom without any hindrance. Aside from family-friendly facilities, local governments are also thinking about diversity when designing public restrooms. For example, unisex facilities include urinals, squat toilets, and sitting toilets in one space, allowing anyone to use the restroom freely. Gender-friendly restrooms, I prefer to call them all-gender restrooms. That means they're not limited to use by male, females, or transgender people. All can use the facilities. With this type of universal restroom, we remove any mention of male and female restrooms. This third type of restroom should be formally recognized through the construction and planning agency's building technical regulations. This would protect the rights of transgender people while at the same time resolving the shortage of facilities for women. Restrooms in Taiwan have made progress in recent years, but many traditional restrooms remain. There is still unequal toilet access for women in what constitutes a violation of the law. The Construction and Planning Agency's building technical regulations clearly stipulate the rules for public sanitation facilities at all venues. Roughly speaking, using toilets as an example, the ratio of facilities with less foot traffic should be one to three. One men's toilet for every three women's toilets. In areas with lots of traffic, for example, airports or movie theaters, the ratio should be one to five, or one men's toilet for every five women's toilets. Actually, if the rules are followed for new facilities, you shouldn't ever see women standing in a long line while no men are using the restroom. But improving Taiwan's public restrooms is not solely a matter of updating the fixtures and improving maintenance. At the end of the day, the key is changing restroom habits. Uh, to be honest, you're going to encounter people with poor habits. They might make the restroom dirty, impacting the next person to come along. It's possible such people just have a bad attitude, and they don't cherish public property. To this day, has the government ever taught people how to use the restroom? You could have a Taiwan Public Restroom Week or a Taiwan Sanitation Culture Week. Lots of agencies would get involved, lots of government departments. You would come together with the media for a week or for a month, teaching the public the whole time. 
Within a year or two, maybe within five or ten years, people's habits would change. Public restrooms are the face of the country and a barometer of its civility. The law and the people must all rise to the occasion before all of Taiwan can offer equal and sanitary restroom access for all. While the mild weather we've been experiencing came to a close on Sunday with the arrival of a weather front and a cold air mass, northern regions are once again feeling the chill with greater chances of rain. The cold air mass is expected to be at its most intense on Tuesday with low temperatures of 12 to 13 degrees. But the good news is that while it'll still be cold, the rain will gradually taper off, leading to mild weather starting Wednesday. The sky overhead is grey and the mercury has taken a dive on Sunday. So don't put away your winter coat just yet. We expect high temperatures at noon tomorrow in regions north of central Taiwan or even in Tainan to be around just 17 to 20 degrees. This wave of continental cold air will be most intense during the early morning of the 8th and its effects will last until the early morning of the 9th. Due to radiative cooling, temperatures will remain low in the early morning of the 9th. Precipitation will be more pronounced on Monday, and if temperatures are low enough and there's adequate moisture, alpine regions with 3,000 to 3,500 metres of elevation may see snow. The coldest time will be Tuesday with lows of 12 to 13 degrees. The weather pattern will go from wet and cold to dry and cold. The front will leave the island after tomorrow night. That's when the rain will let up. After Wednesday, due to the arrival of drier air, the weather will be partly cloudy to sunny everywhere, lasting till Sunday. Fair weather will return on Wednesday as the cold air mass gradually weakens. Daytime temperatures will once again return to 22 to 29 degrees. But be prepared for large temperature swings between daytime and nighttime.